Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Without Insanity podcast, focusing on how we can manage cyber risks and regulations without losing our sanity. I'm Sam Glynn, and it is the 26th of May, 2023, and the summer has finally arrived in Ireland, so I won't keep you too long. In this week's news, ransomware encryption is so 2022. Our Microsoft login pages are destined for greatness, and we need to be politely paranoid. So let's get into it. Uh, Ransomware gangs are increasingly focusing their efforts on stealing data rather than encrypting it, as they realise that the fear of data being publicly disclosed can be enough to get their victim to pay up. That's according to a recent article in The Register, which was reporting on a joint advisory from the FBI, uh, CISA and the Australian Cyber Security Centre about the techniques used by one particular gang called BN Lian. There's a lot of advice within the advisory about how to reduce the risk of being that gang's next victim. And step one is to confirm with your IT people that they have blocked or severely restricted the use of remote desktop protocol. In the second article, a new phishing-as-a-service offering named Greatness has been used in several attacks against Microsoft 365 users over the last 12 months, enabling attackers to fool staff into thinking that they're logging into their employer's genuine Microsoft 365 service. The service also fools the user into entering their multi-factor authentication security code, which it then uses immediately so the attacker gains access to the victim's account before the security code expires. A detailed report has been published by Talos and was recently mentioned by Novi4. And it describes the step-by-step process and shows screenshots of just how realistic the scam looks. The scam starts with a phishing email and according to Talos, the email typically contains an HTML file as an attachment and under the pretext of a shared document leads the victim to open the HTML file. This displays a blurred image that shows a spinning wheel pretending to load the document. The page then redirects the victim to a fake Microsoft 365 login page, which is usually pre-filled with the victim's email address and the custom background and logo used by their company on their genuine Microsoft 365 login page. Unfortunately, Talos don't recommend ways to defend against the attack, apart from buy our products. So here's my top three. Firstly, the attack starts with a phishing email, so make sure your staff receive regular awareness training so they know what to look out for, especially to check the URLs of websites that they visit. And make sure that you bring this particular scam to their attention right now. Second step is that the attack usually involves an HTML file attachment. So block HTML file attachments on your email system. I've discussed this in the past and there are very few genuine business reasons to allow HTML files as attachments on emails. And then the third point is that the attacker may not be in the same part of the world as your staff are. So if you can, restrict access to your Microsoft 365 environment to specific IP addresses or geographies. Uh, That's possible through the use of conditional access rules on Microsoft 365 which is functionality that should be available to you if you pay for a premium or E3 or E5 licenses, but your IT people will know. 
Of course, if you can lock down access to specific devices and those devices are known and trusted devices issued by your organisation, all the better. But none of these things are foolproof, but they would significantly reduce the risk. And on to the third article, and that is that it could take five minutes for a scammer to fool us into thinking that we're speaking to a loved one on the phone. That's according to a recent episode of 60 Minutes by CBS News in the USA, where Rachel Toback, the CEO of Social Proof Security, demonstrated how an attacker can use freely available online tools and artificial intelligence to fool someone into thinking that they're speaking to a loved one or colleague on the phone. Rachel used an online tool to make it look like their phone call was coming from a different phone number and then an AI-powered app to mimic someone else's voice. It took her about five minutes. The recipient of the call genuinely thought they were speaking to their colleague. The full report by CBS News is about 15 minutes long uh, and is available online. And it also discusses the many ways that were targeted by attackers who want to get their hands on our money. The reality is that in our new AI world, it's becoming increasingly difficult to trust anything that we read, see or hear. As Rachel says, we need to be politely paranoid. That means being aware of the fact that scammers use urgency and fear to convince victims to take actions, like sending money or data, etc. If the premise of a call, text, email or direct message is too dire or too good to be true, then it's likely a scam. And wherever possible, use a second method of communication to check it's real before taking action. And I'd like to thank Paul Burke for sending this my way. So that's the news this week. Uh, In terms of other things I've been talking about this week. Okay, well on Monday, uh, I was talking about the previous Saturday, which was World Bee Day. I'm going to say that slowly so that you understand I'm talking about the flying insect or whatever you might call it in the natural world. And this is just about an article that I was reading in the journal over the weekend by Paul Hendrick called The Bee Guy about what we can do to save the bees. And what I didn't know is that saving the bees does not mean saving the honeybees. And that's because honeybees are not one of the species that is under threat. There have never been more honeybees on the planet. In reality, it is native wild bees, bumblebees and solitary bees that need our help. Many of us think that we are helping to save the bees by introducing a beehive into our garden. However, a beehive introduces thousands of honeybees that are not under threat. And these honeybees will collect food from the flowers in our garden. Apparently, the honeybees from one beehive can make 10 million visits to flowers every single day. So what's my point? Well, introducing a beehive when we think will solve a problem will actually reduce the food available for the other types of bee that need our help. So if you want to save the bees, we shouldn't introduce hives into our garden. We should introduce flowers and preferably wildflowers. So what has this got to do with cybersecurity? Well, we need to ensure we are not introducing security beehives into our organisation. Because while it may sound like the right thing to do, it could only be making things worse. And an example of a security beehive is forcing people to use complex passwords. In other words, a combination of lowercase letters, uppercase letters, numbers and symbols. 
In reality, a long password is far better than a short, complex password. That's because a long password, for example, a sentence, is easier for a human to remember, but more difficult for a cyber attacker to guess. You can read more about password security on my site and also look at the guidance from NIST in the US. And also, uh, if you're interested in some analogies, don't forget to look up my password dinghy and multi-factor authentication cruise ship. Uh, Also, articles on my site. And on Wednesday, I wrote about a completely different situation, which was uh, about every organisation being unique, uniquely inefficient and dysfunctional. This is off the back of uh, a retirement party that I recently attended for a friend and ex-colleague. And just to clarify, this friend of mine is far, far, far older than I am. Anyway, it was great to catch up with so many people that I used to see on a daily basis and it was fun to talk about old times. Before the question of where's the nearest nightclub got replaced with when's the next bus home. It was also intriguing to hear so many of them say that the organisations where they currently work are uniquely inefficient and dysfunctional. They refuse to accept my reassurances that most organisations that I've experienced are inefficient or dysfunctional in some way or other. They may not believe me, but after 15 years of working in corporate life and then over 10 years helping dozens of organisations as an independent advisor, I think it's almost inevitable. After all, organisations are run by groups of humans and the inefficient and dysfunctional behaviour that arises within a group of humans is just part of what makes us human. So what has this got to do with cybersecurity? Well, don't let a desire to hide this dysfunction stop you from getting outside advice when you need it. Otherwise, it won't just be the dysfunction that could become public. It could be all your data too. And on that note, that's it for this week. Until next time, take care.